So all software is is the creation, manipulation, and displaying of data. If you know a, if you understand it deeply enough uh, on a lot of different levels, then there's uh, there's it's almost infinite what you can do in a sense. Employee training is a problem for everyone, and yes. particularly a problem during COVID. And a solid solution that can train every employee well in a company is um, can be a very valuable thing. I agree. What about helping teams learn faster? Have you of, of the police training, the mental health, the addiction, and the other types of clients you've had in Skill Builder, which of those has been the most surprising? Yeah, more, more than anything, seeing the principles that I've seen in person and been able to do and teach in person um, sort of show up and sort of appear through a, through, through a virtual means, like through a software platform. And um, I guess in a sense, it's surprising because nobody else has managed to, to do that yet. And it's great. It's amazing to see it. And it's, it's amazing. The more every time you see an additional person saying how great, how interactive it is and how amazing the learning experience is and how it's unlike anything else. Um, it's, it's, it's great and further validation of that. Um, I wouldn't say it's surprising just because I, I like I know that it works, but it's just great. It's nice to see that over and over and over again. I agree with you completely that that training and skill acquisition is difficult for all large organizations. Are there any clients where you were surprised at like some of the things that they took away as as positive, valuable changes that they witnessed? More or less across the board, because you always have people who think otherwise. Uh, people saying how they like it and how effective and and how efficient it is. So the the simple direct answer is <laughs> not so much. It was it's been pretty fairly consistent like that. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because I've kind of developed a consistent methodology of how to do it, so that regardless of the industry, um, it's pretty consistent in that kind of way. Yeah, I like that confidence. And then he's, got good, he's got the feedback to back it up, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff's got the testimonials from yeah. multiple uh, leaders inside of different industries. So kudos to you, Jeff. It, it's it's more when I see people who like, so there, there one, well, there's one uh, former police chief, for example, who, so, okay, I guess two of them really stand, really stand out. So there's one former police chief he studied distance learning, okay? I've never studied any sort of, I've never studied learning. I was in engineering until I was 23, in school until I was 23, and I have all the years of martial arts-based learning. All, so engineering teaches you how to learn, martial arts also teaches you how to learn, um, but I've never formally learned any sort of learning in any capacity or any sort of distance learning. And that, that former police chief, he said that he's never seen anything like it. It's more effective and he's, uh, than any other way of learning that he has done, especially online. And that's after he did study uh, remote learning. Um, and another one was someone who I'm working with right now. He's a uh, former law enforcement and former uh, high-end um, security and um, I'm working with him for the uh, the remote active shooter preparation one now because he sees a huge opportunity in the security industry uh, for that. And he said um, he's been through um, a lot of different trainings and he said it's a completely new his words are paradigm shift or something like that in in learning. And he said it, it, from his perspective, and I've had other people say this, it's like it condenses months of learning and down to a couple of hours. 
learning faster. Love that, Jeff. Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refund My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refund My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Jeff Zygmunt. Jeff, you are focused on making learning easier, and you're applying two different areas of your life one near and dear to my namesake engineer and you just said in the beginning we were talking as we're getting started how engineering teaches you how to learn i've actually never heard that before having gone through six years of engineering school sometimes i felt like maybe i should do something else (laughs) but i eventually got out and uh, started working in construction but uh, jeff you have mastered martial arts and you've brought those two things together Before, you served as the chief technology officer of some different companies and organizations, and today you're helping people in an area that I think is going to make work easier for so many different people. Jeff, tell the good audience of the EBFC show a little bit about yourself. Just to clarify, I wouldn't say that I've mastered martial arts. I think uh, martial arts happens is probably the one skill, or there's many, obviously many different martial arts, but it's probably the one thing that I think you can't master even after a lifetime in a sense. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I've mastered it, but I've been doing it long enough to be able to grasp, learn a lot and to learn to absorb a lot of the principles of how people learn. So I've actually so I've been a tech entrepreneur for about uh, 10 years now. I've uh, done take I've led taken more than 25 software projects from like idea to live led development teams I've uh, led built multi-million dollar uh, enterprise software from skill builder to property management and a number of other ones. Um, been a business analyst for 10 years, been a CT chief technology officer for eight years, software engineer for eight years, database architect for eight years, user experience optimization for 10 years, uh, business process optimization for 10 years, automation for six years, done, done quite a bit on a lot of different fronts, both 
uh, the sort of the technical side and the intertwining of business and tech together. Um, and my the one I've, what I've been working on since the beginning of COVID, also married with uh, two children, two little kids, three-year-old and a 10-month-old. And um, uh, in COVID, I at the beginning of COVID, actually, I created my platform Skill Builder that uh, basically taking the 20 years of martial arts, of what I've learned from skill-based learning from that, and um, building the principles of what I know is required for quick and effective learning into a software platform, because that's really the only way to, PowerPoint doesn't work, to teach people new skills, long video format doesn't work. And I knew, I knew that uh, the only way to do it is through software and software, not just, not just a learning system like people like that are on the market. You really need something extremely intricately designed to, to work with the right kind of learning methodology for it to work. Um, and I, I went through over 200 iterations watching people interact with it and, and um, making adjustments down to the tiniest little detail based on how they interacted and so on. Um, and now I'm basically applying, there's two main areas I'm applying it. I, I, I work, I'm a partner with a uh, U.S. Department of Home, uh, retired U.S. Department of Homeland Security um, trainer in active shooter response preparation. And we've created a um, skill builder training on that. Uh, so that one could actually be rolled out right now to companies of any size, whether it's actually the only training for this uh, because it's a scalable learning methodology. It's the only training of this I, that I'm aware of in the world at the moment that could be rolled out to companies with thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands of employees where every employee will actually learn effectively from it. Um, and similarly, I have a sort of a different service slash turned into a product where I can go into a, any large organization, analyze the processes that are, let's say, costing them the most money, typically where employees are making the most mistakes on a recurring basis and it's costing money or incurring damage in the form of like mistakes in whatever capacity. And uh, then we can create a skill builder training together that sort of extracts the technique of their top performer, if you will, converts it into this ideal format, and then it can be rolled out to um, all employees and uh, throughout the entire company. And it, from, based on the previous ones I've done, it's like condensing six to 12 months of learning into about two to three hours. That's beautiful, Jeff. You're shifting that learning curve from for yeah. months and sometimes years in the construction industry, we sometimes see people in, in newer roles, uh, especially people coming from university. It could take them sometimes in order to see all aspects of a role. It might take them more than two years to get proficient in an area. And uh, a lot of the people that are in the managerial levels and leadership levels will say that that mastery is really more where they they can feel that the people can can do things on their own, like with the what is required is usually more around five years so if you're you're bringing down and consolidating getting to the gist of the training in days of what can take months i think it's i think you're onto something there's something to be said about uh, a lot of variation in teaching a lot of people that are really good at their work are not necessarily good at teaching others how to be good at their work yeah there's definitely something to be said there and i think uh, one of the videos that you shared with me, and we can put links in the vid, we'll put links in the description for how to get in contact with Jeff, as well as Skill Builder themselves, for those of you that want to see some cool videos and testimonials of people, some of these police chiefs that 
that Jeff is mentioning. And there is a lot of active shooter stuff. I just want to go back with, you got me, got me remembering at uh, many large construction companies, Jeff, um, some have in the more urban areas, metropolitan cities do actually have policies and procedures around active shooter, uh, especially here in the United States. It, it's, it's unfortunately a problem that our society is facing. Now, some organizations have no policy or procedure. They have nothing. But the ones that do, Jeff, they're pages and pages and pages of just words. What is, what's one of the, what's one nugget uh, from your active shooter work that you've learned that uh, your students would see inside a skill builder? On a high level, it, it runs through the sort of the run, run hide, fight um, um, concept. Um, but they drills kind of deeply into that in terms of the preparation on the individual basis for in advance, and then how to think through it in a logical, methodical way during. So if uh, what it does because of the interactive nature, all the, the interaction that I built into, into the skill builder platform that kind of that elicits the proper interaction and at the right times, um, what it does is it gets the individual person, each person to actually think through what to do and how to approach it in their own surroundings in advance and how to think through it logically and how also very big part of every, every skill builder training I do is the common mistakes that are made and how to avoid why they're mistakes and how to avoid those mistakes because the mistakes are actually the part that typically makes someone take six, 12 months, two years, three years, five years to learn something that could be learned in a couple of hours because you spend so much time making mistakes. But if that can be course corrected at the beginning and you understand why they're mistakes, then that's what can actually put you on the right course from step one and help you avoid taking all those wrong turns. So what it does here is it, it really helps the individual person and also management because there are steps for management to do as well. Uh, but it teaches them how to think through it logically, how, and it actually has them go through it. So it's not like you're staring at something for the whole time and then you're hopefully remembering it. You're actually doing things as you go through so that by the time you finish, there's a very, very strong level of uh, absorption and retention afterwards. A powerful way of learning and getting people to do and practice things. You've got so much software development, Jeff. You know that I'm a scrum master. I've got to bring, ladies and gentlemen, here it is where I'm bringing in the first mention of scrum in this episode. Uh, we know, based on empirical process control theory or empirical philosophy, that human beings learn best by doing and having experiences hands-on. And that's one of the beautiful things that I noticed in some of the work that Jeff's doing at Skill Builder is he's bringing that learning by doing right to the forefront so that you get exposed and you have to like go on a journey or a quest, if you will, uh, through some of the videos and interactions. So I think that's a powerful way for people to learn very fast. And you definitely have got my imagination going with all the different types of things that we can do. You mentioned that organizations are struggling with this, like, just across the board, how did you get so involved with police organizations? Because it seems to be like just a very big part of your testimonial. As with most tech startups, there's a decent amount of pivoting and trying to figure out where the niche is and where it's the best fit. So the big, very beginning, I started by um, targeting 
people who are best-selling authors. I figured if they're a best-selling author, they probably have they probably potentially become an expert in some sort of skill that could be extracted and put into a skill builder uh, training. Um, after that, when it didn't go as well as I would have liked there, I then started uh, looking, I tried finding trainers, people with like on LinkedIn with trainer, and then I happened to pull on, upon a police trainer. Um, and it was that was for use of force police writing, uh, use of force police report writing. And we we rolled that out in a police agency, but then he uh, disappeared on me and like, you know, which kind of sucked after spending um, about 10 to 20 hours uh, <laughs> getting that going. Um, but then I ran into another police trainer on, uh, that was related to DWI, um, the driving while intoxicated and under the influence, uh, a certain aspect of that. And then we rolled that, we created that, rolled it out to a police agency. Then I had a bunch of other police chiefs go through it. And they said that this would be amazing for police training. Um, and uh, then while doing that, I was looking for more police related skill sets. And I happened across um, the gentleman I'm working with from the Department of Home, who was re retired from the Department of Homeland Security, who uh, has a specialty in active shooter response uh, preparation. So that's kind of sort of the sequence of how things played out. I wasn't looking at it first specifically, but it, uh, it was good that it happened. I'm not surprised you got there, Jeff. I listened to the Jocko podcast, Jocko Willink, who's a retired yep. Navy SEAL commander. And I've listened to a, a, quite a few of his shows. He's had uh, interactions and comments from people on social media, a lot of a lot of police people and he's engaged with and there's been a need in uh, policing, especially in the United States, where uh, training has not been up to par with the uh, dynamic environments and needs or just something has happened over the course of years where it's the same across all industries. You see, uh, even the in construction, the trades, there are some union trades and non-union trades, and they have different uh, degrees of training. Some have very sophisticated training centers that are, you know, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars, million square feet, and then some have just on the job training. So that's a huge range between the two. And the, the type of variation we see from the learner's perspective is vast. What, what type of metrics are you seeing is like you've had uh, some good feedback from police chiefs that are running departments, I'm imagining, you know, from dozens of officers to hundreds, if not even thousands, depending on the city, what type of things are important to leaders of organizations as far as what their students are learning? Like, does your system provide metrics or feedback on student learning? So it tracks a lot of things from how long it took them to which uh, things they did and didn't do. You can, you can overview their notes to see that they're actually going through the exercises. Um, that's it's actually a, uh, from what other people have been telling me, it's a big value add the fact that it tracks it. So you actually know from a managerial standpoint, how they're interacting with it. And you know, let's uh, to the point where, let's say that some, uh, um, an employee goes through it and there you see them regularly making a mistake that it's like, but this was covered in the skill builder um, training. You can go in and then, there's, there could be a good chance that they didn't even look at that particular portion of it and they skipped it. And then it's like, well, you skipped this. No wonder that you're still making that mistake over and over again. So uh, stuff like that is um, there, there's a lot of things that are that are trackable. And I'm hearing from a lot of people now that um, that that's 
it's a big positive that I incorporate. I'm happy I incorporated all that stuff in when I was when I was building it. And that's a really good way for us to learn from mistakes. But we need feedback in order to learn if we failed or didn't fail. So the fact that you're partnering with experts to develop the the training, an expert will see things and notice, just like a uh, martial artist, a master teaching students, they will notice mistakes the students make that the students themselves would not be aware of. Like if, if you ever try to learn martial arts from a book, it's very difficult. <laughs> so that's not gonna that yeah that won't work. Uh, it's like uh, it says right point blank, people. It's not gonna work. But and there's also a big difference between um, learning things that are picking up skills that are physical compared to not. So every every skill, whether it's physical or otherwise, uh, assuming that it's uh, process based and any skill builder suitable is is excellent for anything that is process oriented and it's not suitable for things that are heavy like just theory heavy without a process so it's specifically for process oriented things anything where there's a set set of steps that that should be done in a certain order for it to come out right and typically a series of mistakes that are made along the way that people commonly make that set it off track uh, for almost any skill there, there's usually a small number of different Path, different ways of doing it that will lead you to excellent like success and there's thousands or millions of different ways of doing it wrong and if you don't know how to avoid the ways of doing it wrong and how to do it right then you're almost guaranteed without somebody who's already learned the right way you're almost guaranteed to take a wrong path at least at one step of the process and every time you do that that you know you don't know it while you're doing it but that one little veer in the wrong direction could set you back six months and you have no way of knowing it you're just six months later and then six months later you're like oh i'm doing this wrong and then you try to course correct but then you have to break down the bad habits and rebuild them better which is also takes a long time pulling back on some experience that i learned in other industries when i was reading about uh, what dr jeff sutherland was doing with software developers in the early days of scrum in the 1990s he had studied Aikido, a uh, form of martial arts, and he brought in the concept into his book of uh, the four different levels of mastery, which in, I believe it's, I'm going to just guess Japanese, it's Shuhari, which stands for, you know, first mimicking, then mastering the forms, and then moving to, to the area where you can iterate and create some novelty, you can continue to improve, and then finally, at the at the final level at the master level you can just uh, make things happen based on any type of situation so full creativity and and ability because of, of practicing through the different forms and i wanted to know because you mentioned that uh, you've had some martial arts training and you're bringing that into how you help people acquire skills build their skills up jeff what uh what parallels do you have or what are you bringing in for martial arts into the, the training for people that necessarily don't even know that there's a an element of martial arts to their learning new skills acquisition. Yeah, so what, what's really important when you're to, um, to pick up a new skill or something effectively or quickly is you need to know clearly what to do, like very, very clearly uh, what to do. Uh, ambiguity makes it uh, ambiguity or when, when things are unclear it makes it very hard to pick something up and 
it's very hard to make to remove all ambiguity from something that that in itself takes a, a lot of practice um but when something is unclear most people are going to guess and your guess is probably going to be wrong in most cases because there's so many possibilities of what's wrong to do and very few that are the right way to do it so um if you can make it as clear as possible and show them what not to do and then have them repeat it and repeat repetition 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 um, that allows them to drill in the right steps of what to do and avoid the wrong way of doing it and i've seen how things some sometimes somebody could be struggling with something for over an hour and then you teach them the right way and with a minute within a minute or two they can you see them grasping it and remembering it yeah i've always had this approach when i was teaching newer construction managers how to be inside of like because sometimes a lot a lot of construction actually does have quite a bit of technology jeff we use i mean I know one company just off the top of my head, they have over 50 different software applications uh, inside of their construction organization. I mean, that's just if people listening, just think about how many applications of Microsoft do you use? And this company is operating with over 50 different pieces of software uh, around the business. So it can be, it can get complicated out there. But I always tell newer people that I'm training. If you've if you're trying something like I'll show them what it is and let them try let them learn a little bit because self learning is powerful in of itself. But I'd say, as a rule of thumb, if you struggle for more than five minutes, you need to get some feedback because you're probably just on the wrong path and and using what we call heuristics or just forced solutions, it's not going to be the the most effective thing, especially when we've got uh, deadlines and and timetables we're trying to keep. You can still have a good learning experience, but like Jeff said, uh, you want to get in good habits. It's uh, sometimes, Jeff, it's harder to unlearn the wrong way than to learn the one way or the better way from scratch. My Sifu, my, one of my martial arts masters, uh, like when you're trying to get better at something, you're not adding to it. You're chipping away and making it more well-defined. You're taking away the bad. And the more bad you take away, the strong, if it's a punch or whatever it is, you're, you're taking away all the tiny little details that are um, making your structure bad, uh, that, are, that are making your technique worse, that are causing you to lose energy when you're, if in the case of punching, to, to in your punch, if you're talking uh, grappling techniques or whatever that, that's prevented like you're, you're the small you'll see that the smallest adjustment in technique is the difference between you struggling to try to get something on and oh completely effortlessly being able to do something to someone who's 50 or 100 pounds heavier than you and it's, uh, it's all the little details often matter a lot that in of itself jeff reminds me of you know, some of the other people that you've helped in Skill Builder has been in the mental health arena. Uh, we're in now, I can't remember what year we're in of the pandemic, Jeff. It's 2022. So people, you do the math yourself. How many years have we been in this pandemic? And uh, mental health continues to be something that a lot of people are struggling with. And if you're out there listening to this episode and you're you're feeling challenged in the mental health arena, I've got some resources we'll put in the show notes for you. Uh, free resources that you can tap on if you need to 
don't worry about it. Uh, just click and take advantage. That's what it's there for. But Jeff, you've helped some people in uh, the mental health area. Can you talk about one of the examples of, of the type of client you've engaged with and what kind of skills are people in this arena trying to pick up? So I found an expert trainer. His name is Ted Isidore. Uh, he is one, he's trained more than 1,500 people on applying what are called the ASAM criteria. Uh, other therapists on how to apply it. It helps to them to determine the, what level of care to, um, to administer, to apply to a particular patient. And um, I, I know nothing about it, I was, uh, but I was able to, um, it, 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 that was actually a good test because I was able to find, realize that I could help somebody structure something like this, even when I have no knowledge base, whatever, what, on the topic whatsoever. Um, but it's basically teaching them how to apply these ASAM criteria to determine the proper level of care for a patient in a systematic way. And apparently it, uh, it's something that a lot of clinicians or therapists are um, not sure how to do. And it's a confusing thing that a lot of them are maybe doing incorrectly and, pres and prescribing things based on their intuition as opposed to in this systematic way. And it's teaching them how to how to do that in a systematic way, the appropriate way based on ASAM, which is the governing body on that. What type of, uh, you said he's taught over 1,500 people. Where, where is that being deployed now so that uh, we can see your handiwork out in the world? Everything Skill Builder is digital, so it's not confined to any particular thing, to any particular location. Uh, for that one, we've rolled it out in uh, two clinics so far. Um, but again, if there is any, if there are any, if there is anyone out there, they can definitely contact us, uh, me at Skill Builder. And uh, the beautiful thing about something digital like this, it's basically like taking him, digitizing him, and instead of doing all these long, detailed training sessions, just you get a couple of licenses, you get it on demand, and you can roll it out to all your therapists at any time. And it's like he's basically like he's spending individualized time one-on-one -on -one with every person amazing way to scale up and scale across and using technology to help make your work easier better and definitely going to be faster and more efficient because you can't be everywhere at the same time a lot of people listening uh right now and i just heard a statistic from hal makeham who was on my show uh, earlier and hal was telling me that uh, somewhere between for every one to five people leaving the construction industry, either for retirement or changing career fields, um, there's only one new person coming in. So we have a massive amount of skills and experience leaving the industry at a pace faster. For those of you that are thinking about systems, in a, if you're thinking about a stock, we're definitely lowering the stock and with experiences going out. And so we're going to need solutions like what Jeff is talking about with Skill Builder. And if you're out there and if you got some people in your organization that are really good at training or just fantastically skilled, Jeff, are you able to work with, with experts that are not even perfect at uh, training and to pull their skills out? Can you talk to me about that? So th they don't need any expertise in training people per se, but they have to have nailed their own process and perfected into a, down to basically a science and ideally taught other people as well. So uh, sort of my criteria uh, 
what I, for a long time, what I was looking for in a skill builder expert, so to speak, is someone who's trained at least 500 people. If you've trained at least 500 people, then uh, chances are, and if you've been successful yourself, like re repeat success over and over and over and over and over again. And that's important so, so that we know that you have the right process down back, like in place and having trained many people um, is really important because of the part where we outline all the common mistakes that people make along the way. And the mistakes that you might've run into might not be the mistakes other people run into or think of. And if somebody's trained at least like 500 people, it's a good indicator that they've heard people express those mistakes, which will allow us to build it out uh, properly. They don't need any experience training they, per se. They just need, they need to know how to do it right. And they need to know what are the common mistakes that people make regularly. And from that, we can extract it. I can extract it out together and we, then we can build it. I love that, Jeff. And behind the scenes, I want to selfishly ask, we've got uh, in our industry, so many construction people are also consumers of software, technology, applications, apps. Jeff, from your perspective on the inside, being on the other side of this, uh, on the other side of the table here on the software application, what are some things that uh, you would like clients that are looking at, you know, any type of software that they're going to buy or purchase? What are some things that they should use to evaluate, you know, one piece of software solution to another, or just in general, what are some good rules of thumb when looking at uh, software to help solve or make your work easier and better? A lot of people kind of just jump into a software and see if they like it. I think that, you know, you know, I've been a business analyst for 10 years. A business analyst gathers business requirements and then typically translates them into specifications. And That's why I picked the, you for this one, because I was like, <laughs> we're going to talk more about that business analyst time too. Don't you worry. So the big, so the, the gathering of requirements so it happens to be the biggest problem in all of software. Uh, it's the biggest thing that causes them that it's the thing that is usually skipped it's the thing that is you either skipped done incorrectly or done incompletely and it's hard to do it properly um but uh, on a more um we can get into that more after if you like but uh on a more basic level if you're trying to evaluate a software to use you want to write down what are your requirements don't just jump into don't just jump into a software and see if you like it note down what your requirements are, your business needs, like what, what do you need it to be able to do? Because then you're not just looking for something that's nice, you're solving your problems. And the whole thing is about you know, like people typically use software, particularly when it's for business to solve their problems. So you want to know what problems you're trying to solve. And then once you know what problems you're trying to solve, then you can go into the software and hopefully it's user-friendly enough and not too buggy and all that stuff. So, because if it's too buggy, it can make you want to throw your phone across the room. <laughs> and if it's not user friendly, then it can be a huge pain in the butt to try to learn it, uh, depending on if it's the only option or if it's so worth it in features, then you might spend the time doing that uh, uh, because of the value that it brings. But I think the first thing you wanna do is really um, figure out what your requirements are and then try to find the check reviews for different softwares. And then, uh, and then from the ones that um, have the best reviews, narrow it down to a couple of them and then try out the ones um, 
that you narrowed it down to and see if they meet the requirements and if they're easy. And then if one or more are, then you choose the one you like the most. A shout out to Pete Novaresi, who's a past show guest that said the same thing that Jeff is reinforcing now. When you're going after an issue or a challenge, first question to ask is what problem are we trying to solve? And you exactly said that, Jeff. Have you been listening to my show? <laughs> I, I, I did listen to I listened to one episode before coming on, but I didn't hear I didn't hear that one. Awesome. No, that's that's great. And as I've actually been part of several committees over the course of my career, 20 plus years in construction, uh, selecting software to solve problems for in various different needs. And and one of the things that I've been fortunate to have uh, some strong IT group leads in some of these endeavors that we've been a part of. And uh, I'm going to say uh, the requirements gathering at the beginning was some of the most boring part from my perspective as, as somebody who's like just trying to build and run big work. It didn't seem like it was like after the fact, Jeff, like you're talking like it's a good thing to do, but it doesn't seem like it was done like in the best way possible. What are, what are some ways from your business analyst days that you'd recommend to either people that are engaged in, in doing their requirements? Because you mentioned just like writing down the, the needs. Like it sounds just so simple, Jeff, but from my experience, it was like going to the dentist and just and getting your teeth drilled. It's actually, in my view, it's, it's the hardest part of software. As I mentioned, it's the part that's done most wrong, especially when you're designing any software system. Um, it's, it's the part that's done the most wrong or the most incompletely. Um, and in many cases it's skipped because people don't even know you should be doing that a lot of the time. Um, and, uh, it's all about asking the right questions. So I've always been, I guess, naturally, I guess, inquisitive, or in some cases are, uh, could be argumentative, depending <laughs> how you, how you, how you put it. Um, but when I started uh, as a business analyst, you learn how, how you have to, I wouldn't say you learn how, I guess it depends where you learn. Uh, you have to learn how to ask questions and the right questions. And after the more you do anything, the better you get at it, right? And the more projects you do it on, the more software projects you do it on, Right now, I'm at the point where just all the right, all the questions just just come to mind when I'm just like not even thinking about it, and just because I've done it so much and I've done so many different software systems, and did they just come to mind? I write them down. Another one pops into mind. Another one pops into mind. Another, and all the they just kind of makes all the pieces fall into place, and it's like okay, there's the software system. Things that would normally take months to put together, uh, but for someone who has not done the business analysis side of things, I, I, I think that the most important thing is to ask questions. And I always say that it's better to ask too many questions than not enough. And think, think a big problem with asking questions is uh, a lot of people are too afraid to look stupid when they're asking too many questions. And uh, for me, I've been doing it so long that I, I know that if a question is popping into my mind, it's because it's not clear enough, just because I've been doing it so much. So I've never remotely worried or whatever about asking a question, because if I have the question, can pretty confidently say that it's, it was not clear enough and it needs to be further clarified. And I'm statistically speaking, I'm pretty much, that's pretty much always the case. It needs, it needed further clarification. Um, but that, that's an, that's an easy thing that anyone could do, which is just write down the questions that you have, ask them, try to think of as many questions as you can about, um, what, what the needs could be and 
don't be afraid to spend the time to do that. In fact, you should spend the time doing it because the time you spend doing that is probably going to save you a lot, a lot, a lot of time and headaches and frustration afterwards. Where do you keep these questions like better practice? Do you recommend people just populate a spreadsheet with the questions and answers, a, a shared document, a whiteboard? Where are some of the places where you've seen better question capture and use? You know what mind mapping is? I do. Okay. So I, I've been I, I've been using a software called XMind for the last 10 years. I've tried some other mind mapping tools. Wasn't a fan. Uh, so I've, I've been using XMind. Um, I, I use it literally for everything all the time um I, there, there, there was a point where if something starts off smaller i'd maybe put it into a open up a new email or a document and then within five minutes i see that oh it's getting a little bit more complex i right away try and put it into an xmind file so at this point i just always put everything into an xmind because i know that it's going to get a little bit more complicated sometimes very complicated um and i find that's a good way to uh write quickly to keep things organized, to rearrange things, to manage your thoughts well. You satisfied my itch on the business analyst part, almost. I've got okay. one more scratch on that one. Sure. A lot of learning um, outside of uh, the construction industry to pick up new and better ways of doing things that have definitely helped me transform how I deliver projects uh, with teams that are remote, hybrid, thanks to the pandemic. Again, thank you, pandemic, for creating so much variation and challenges to overcome. But uh, one of the key things that I've seen in business analyst training, at least some of the courses that I've taken, is that there's this focus on continuous improvement for sure and uh, helping people become more effective in the role. What uh, what can you say, just broad, broad strokes for people that might listening and might not know what a business analyst is uh, responsible for? If you're trying to, let's say, build a house, then it's very hard to build a house without a blueprint. And so blueprints would be the specifications. How do you get the blueprint? Well, you need to ask the right questions. How many bathrooms should, should it have? How many floors should it have? Where should the bathroom be positioned? The kitchen, how big is it? Okay, is, does it have a microwave? Where's the microwave located? Is it, where is it positioned? Uh, there's to, to the, to get the lay of the land in terms of how a house should be um, put together, you could ask thousands of questions if you wanted to get really, really specific. Um, and it's the same idea, but with regards to software. Uh, software is harder for people because unlike a house, it, software is very inconcrete. Um, if you don't understand it well, it's very hard to visualize because you don't know what goes into creating it unless you've done it, unless you've done programming, unless you've done different, designed a database, unless you all, all these things, unless you've seen how the data is manipulated and created and stored and everything. But it's essentially that it's, at, it's, it's coming up with all the questions needed in order to know what the needs are. And then once you know what the needs, the requirements are, then that you can translate into specifications and then the specifications, the blueprint um, can then be used by developers to, to build it. A lot of mistake, a big mistake that most people, most non-technical people make is they think that if you want to make software, you hire a developer, a coder. Coding is, I would say one out of nine or 10 in different 
technical disciplines needed in order to make software properly. Um, there, yeah, it's it's about coding specifically is literally like knowing how to write the syntax of English. Um, if you don't know how to form a proper sentence, then it doesn't matter how well you know how to write English. You're not gonna. It, it's gonna come out bad if you. Uh, there, but there's multi. There's at least six, seven steps before you even jump into any sort of coding, and it's actually a reason why most software fails and most software turns out bad is because people have a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions about software and how to do it properly. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, Jeff. Where it always goes back to my early days, my early training as a young computer engineer, before I switched majors, as we were talking about before the show got started to electrical engineering, like yourself, and uh, almost had a computer science minor. So I've had this software training since the beginning and uh, built computers as a teenager uh, for fun because I wanted to get on the internet. Hello, people, come on. <laughs> but uh, I'm amazed now all this years and time in construction, Jeff, there's so many parallels even the way that we talk about how things are constructed in software development, it sounds like you're talking about a construction project. Like in software, we even have what's called architecture. You have these operating systems that are like your operations for how you do things, just how you put things together. And the parallels are just, they're limitless people. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, they're getting kind of nerdy on software. It's like, that's exactly the type of nerdiness you get on a construction project site with uh, just different words. But I think that there are probably some better practices, Jeff, on how things are put together and just how we build things up. And it it transfers across multiple industries. So I'm just really glad to hear, at least selfishly, you're reinforcing that for me. Uh, Where's a good place for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about uh, Skill Builder? They can go to skillbuilder.academy. Uh, there are a number of videos there. They can also see me on LinkedIn, Jeff Zygman. Um, They can also, um, maybe we can, uh, perhaps we can put some of the links in the description. We can put, Absolutely. Uh, um, I, I did get a domain remoteactiveshooterpreparation.com, which will lead to that particular page. Um, if anyone is interested in exploring the, um, what I call, re- uh, remote scalable employee training, that's where I go into a company, analyze which, um, processes are causing the most damage, if you will, by people making the most mistakes on a regular basis. Um, can definitely, they can reach out to me and can see if there's a possible fit in that capacity as well. Um, yeah, the, the, the active shooter respo- uh, preparation and that, that scalable employee training are the two main areas I'm, f- I'm currently focusing on. Thank you, Jeff. And I absolutely love that uh, in your organization, you don't have to be adept at the types of skills and the training that people need. And you, you've given us the requirements to engage with Jeff. You have to be at least proficient enough where you've taught 500 people successfully. I love that, uh, that, that prerequisite somebody wants to work with me to create a training on a new skill set they, they they need more beyond that like they need to have a ton of market connections so that we can get easy market penetration um so there's more requirements on that front if they want to be like a skill builder expert so to speak but if they if it's a company that has 
500, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000 employees, whatever it is, right. and they know they have training problems that they would like to fix, then they don't have to worry about that. As long as they have, let's say, a top performer who knows the process properly who that I'd be able to work with, then I can ex essentially extract their the technique, if you will, from that person, and we can create it from there. So a lot of the people who listen to my show, Jeff, are continuous improvement experts or in other areas, they might be uh, value stream managers and they've got different titles or people that are involved. It could even be business analysts, Jeff, <laughs> that are helping to make, uh, you know, how the business operates better. And so I think there's a lot of a synergy there with people listening to the show. They're going to find this insightful and valuable. Jeff, what's one thing that we haven't talked about yet that would be valuable for you to share with the audience? I don't know anything about construction, but I do know something about process optimization, which I think is you know, I think that the two things that I that I know, which is how to train and teach things and how to optimize processes and also how to organize information. Those are actually all really universal principles. I think that uh, any, anyone can get much, much, much better at everything they do if they spend time analyzing how they're doing things and trying to optimize what they're doing. And I think it's something that few people do and the amount of time you can save and meaning that like, if you can save 50% of your time by, um, by analyzing, breaking down what you're doing um, for any process that you're doing, um, then if you can, if you can, if you can reduce that time by 50%, that means you can probably achieve 50% more every single day. If you're an employee and you're in a good company where they'll notice that, you'll probably get you end up making more money. If you're, if you're an owner or someone who manages their own company, that means it's either more time that you can get done, done more or gives you, you'll probably be able to make more money for your business. If you imagine if you can free up 50% of your time, that doesn't even go into automation. Like right now I've automated so much stuff of my own that it's like, I have two to four assistants working for me full-time all the time, never making any mistakes ever. Um, but that that's more complicated because that requires some technical skills, but to optimize, to analyze and optimize your own processes that you're doing every day, you don't need technical skills for that. You just need to write stuff down, think it through and see how you can make it a little more efficient. That is super valuable, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if, for those of you systems thinkers, systems thinkers out there, what Jeff is talking about is connecting back that feedback loop at the end. It's something that we often skip and uh, it's going to be a topic of a live stream with uh, Katie Anderson and Jake Harrell. We're going to be looking at the, the PDCA cycle uh, the plan, do, check, adjust cycle or the plan, do, study, act cycle and seeing is there a better entry point into that to get some of this reflection. And Katie Anderson is going to be arguing for starting with the reflection first and not focusing on just experimentation blindly, blind experimentation. So I think that's going to be interesting. And you're, you're definitely touching on a nerve there in the, the Scrum framework. Jeff, one of the, the key elements of Scrum is this retrospective meeting where at the end, a team does a very focused look at how did they actually work. 
And the experiments come out of that ideas for improvement that radically transform how the team works. And we see uh, massive gains, just like to what you're talking about, where people pick up 50% more of the time um, and improve just how they work in traditional project management methodologies. There isn't an event or a trigger to have people do this reflection uh, in, in smaller batches. So they have more at bats on a, on a regular cycle. So don't get mad at me, project management professionals. I know that you do a, like a post-mortem, but that's at the very end of the project and projects can be 10 years long, one year long, that's too late. So like what Jeff's talking about, what I'm talking about is getting that reflection and feedback earlier so you can make those adjustments. And then as you're increasing your capacity, you might even nerd out like Jeff and I and do some automation. I also have some automation that helps me for some of the things that I do, Jeff. And it's, uh, it is like having multiple assistants that don't make mistakes. Now, one of my, one of my automation tools made a mistake that caused people to double book my calendar, but that was totally on me because I had not connected this other calendar and people were, had the ability to double book. So, and, and one, per, one person, uh, you know, bless his heart, Rob, <laughs> Rob was like the magic winner he only would, who's only choosing times that would double book. And so, the, but having that mistake allowed me to fix it. And now it can never happen again. Well, even for anything, I think it's always good to invite people to try to break your, what you created or criticism. Because uh, other people are going to see things, even if you have a really good eye, other people are going to see things or run into issues that you don't. And the more times I do that with every, actually with every skill builder. Uh, training. I, I take it through a process initially and do like a beta release. And then I invite numerous people to go through it. We iterate on it to see where it's weak, what's unclear, and uh, take it through this multiple iterative uh, stages so that when it's ready to release to 500, 1,000, whatever people, you have something that has actually had the feedback and uh, the criticisms of numerous people. And you that's really the only way to get to something that's perfect, right? Is you, you know, people, perfectionists try to release something that's perfect, which doesn't exist. And the way you actually get the perfect is you release something that's, I'm going to use the word garbage, but <laughs> you, you release something that's garbage, you invite criticisms, you see what other people see, and then you uh, plug all the holes. And my 12 year old says, you release something that's trash. It's like, yep. that's his favorite phrase. Like that's trash. No, that, that, that's what you do. You release some, I, well, I didn't release Phil skill builder when it was fully ready. I released it when it was not. And then I had, then I was able to get pull in feedback from people and improve it and improve it and screen share and watch how they interacted and watch the mistakes that, and the things that were unclear and then try to figure out how to solve it. And yeah, you got to do that. It's the only way to achieve a, call it a perfect product. Beautiful. Love that. Jeff, you get the last word on the show. I got the last word. Okay. The last, uh, you get the last phrasing. Let me not put, let me take the pressure down. You don't have to okay. have one single word. You can get the last phrasing. You get the last saying. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. It was nice chatting. It was good. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. 
Let's go build. <laughs>